Welcome back to Living at the Mercy of the Moment, a new podcast created especially for this moment in the pandemic. I'm Shira Dicker, your host. Living at the Mercy of the Moment invites you to join an intimate conversation between me and Jeanette Peyrutz Elsner. Jeanette is the author of the forthcoming autobiography, MS as Metaphor a memoir of life at the mercy of the moment. Jeanette's memoir documents her almost improbably challenging life journey, which culminated in the development of multiple sclerosis when she was a young woman. As you will discover, Jeanette has a message for listeners and the world at large. If you want help surviving this impossibly difficult moment, Perfect Your Powers of Resilience. This is episode 18, Chai, How to Be Conscious During COVID. Listeners of Living at the Mercy of the Moment know that our conversation about the particular challenges and features of Jeanette's struggle with MS have a way of circling back to the global disability afflicting all of humanity, namely the COVID-19 pandemic. What Jeanette has been experiencing on a personal micro level is now being experienced by millions of people around the world. And we have explored that in the course of our past 17 episodes focusing on different aspects. So, Jeanette, I'm going to turn to you right now. We had a little conversation right before this where we talked about what we wanted to discuss today. And if it's okay, and with your permission, I will share the phone conversation that I had this morning that is shaping our our conversation. Can, can I share that with our listeners? Absolutely. All right. So I told you that I was extremely, extremely upset this morning. I had a conversation with a very, very close family member who recounted to me their perception that I was unusually stressed out, quote, about the pandemic. And I thought about this and and I said to them, okay, um, yes. I am, I'm stressed out. And my question is, why aren't you stressed out? And, and before we also talk about what, what this stress is, there is, we are in the middle of one of the most cataclysmic global events, if not the cataclysmic global event of the last 100 years, an event that has resulted in the infection of millions upon millions of people around the world, the death of almost half a million people in the United States alone. I learned today that the death toll in Israel has now surpassed that of the Yom Kippur War, which is amazing and tragic, especially given the fact that at the beginning of the pandemic, back in March, we marveled that somehow Israel managed to escape the cruel fate that the rest of the world was struggling with. And then, of course, Israel fell prey. And I'll just give a little bit of background. 
um, the conversation I was having with this family member had to do with weight gain, sometimes called jokingly the COVID-19, meaning 19 pounds. And I was complaining, as women often do, that I had some some new fat on my body fat. I don't remember seeing before this uh, this period of our our um, you know house arrest and uh, specifically around my middle. And the person I was speaking to then said, you know, cortisol is a hormone released during stress. I said, yes, I'm familiar with cortisol, the cortisol connection. And she then opined that I had, in her opinion, I had been unduly stressed. And that's when I said, wow, let me be really super honest with you. It has stressed me out that members of my extended family Don't share my COVID consciousness. And you are correct that in the presence or in the course of my interaction with some family members, I have been extremely stressed because I have been, um, I've marveled that my family does not seem to share the, uh, the perception of my nuclear family, and frankly, all of my friends, my diverse, very, very broad circle of friends, we all seem to be proceeding with the understanding that being alive during this time demands of us a, um, a different way of approaching it. So I'm going to put that at your door, Jeanette. How does that, what is your, Maybe you can share because we did, I don't want to be coy. We did to talk about it. So could you maybe just share with our listeners your reaction, what you had told me and and maybe expand on it a little bit more? Well, I totally agree with you. This is a time where we have to be conscious and to be not conscious of of, uh, COVID and not to wear masks and not to adhere to proper protocol is shocking to me. Why would it's, it's almost masochistic. Why would someone not want to protect oneself and protect our others? We're in, this is reciprocity. We're to take care of one another, not to adhere and to think that you are being overly stressed with a secretion of cortisol, etc. is, is outrageous. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me at all. And especially I was sharing with you, I'm not that great at navigating, uh, finding uh, vaccines. And, mm-hmm. and at this time, my, uh, my son, Jonathan, was especially concerned that I, uh, that I get the vaccine. He was really vigilant. Mom, I really want you to get the vaccine. And, and somehow it might, came across two of my friends, Jill and Amy, really did a beautiful, wonderful deed for me. They helped me navigate the internet and they helped me find a place where I was able to get a vaccine for my husband and myself. And mm. I'm extremely grateful. And this is, this is extremely grateful. This is the 18th, actually, this is our 18th episode, High Life. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, they gave life to me. They did a beautiful deed beginning with my son and with uh amy and jill and this is this is consciousness this is kindness this is precisely what we're talking about being conscious this is a 
a, tra a tragic situation that's befallen the world. We're still in it. This is not time to give up. This is a time to be continuously vigilant, even with, I had my first uh, vaccine. When I get my second one, uh, which will be February 24th, I'm going to continue to be, to wear masks. Now I'm wearing double and triple masks. Have my Purell. If someone is not adhering to protocol, I will say to them, and I have, you know, we have to take care of one another. We must, well, we have to take care of one another, keep our masks on, etc. cetera. And uh, that's, that's how we have to proceed. This is going to be still a long haul. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I thank you for that. And I feel that we're at the stage now because it's, you know, again, I, I think nobody likes to, um, nobody likes their, their um, reactions to a crisis situation to be pathologized, to be miscast as a, an inappropriate reaction. In a crisis, behavior has to change. And about a month ago, I was very sad to see that somebody I only know on Facebook, a very gifted musician by the name of Tom Teasley, we connected through something, a very interesting uh, quest actually for musicians who were ripped off by a very unscrupulous guy. Uh, I, I had, we had started this effort to just try to get justice for the musicians. Anyway, it was his wife and my son, we, I just started following this beautiful man, Tom Teasley, and I was so sad to see that he puts up a Facebook post where he described how vigilant he's been for the last several months. And then there was a family get together and some family member, I think, died. They had to clean out a house and he was wearing a mask and observing social distance and his family mocked and shamed him. And he said, ah, you know what, I'm just going to, you know, just be like everybody else, took his mask off. He's sick. Oh, my God. Got, got horribly sick. And, you know, and what happens is it's very hard to withstand peer pressure and to be the person, you know, to be the person who's on the outs with what the peer group is doing. I happen to have a very strong sense of I'm okay being an individual. In fact, part of my, I remember as a child, I hated to be seen. I, I was against popularity. I hated the popular kids just because they were popular, which is, of course, you know, that sounds like a very adolescent position to take. But my, I think I'm in the minority. I'm really okay doing the um, right thing, doing the the right, thank you. The right thing, and I don't. I don't sit around patting myself on the back and saying, "Yay, Shira, you are virtuous. You are so smart." But it stung when this family member for a minute there. I was like, "Okay," and then I realized I wasn't stung. I was angry, and then of course, you know, I said, "Okay, let me break this down to you." Uh, you know, during our my dad's shiva, when the family gathered indoors, yes, wearing masks, and I went around popping open windows, and people snickered. You know what? Fortunately, it didn't hurt my feelings. And the truth of the matter is, I thought to myself, 
what a jerk to everybody who thought it was hilarious because at that point, which was the beginning of November, we knew that gatherings, first of all, gatherings were prohibited. Second of all, even with masks, we knew what the dangers were when my family sat outside and ate because everyone, I don't understand this thinking that, you know, people who crowd into restaurants take their masks off because just because a restaurant is permitted to operate doesn't mean it's intelligent to be inside that restaurant without your mask. And after a certain occupancy, it becomes really a health hazard. Shira, let let me ask you, what do you attribute? The people in your family, extended family, they're all intelligent, evolved people. Yes. What do you, because it's, it's ludicrous it is ludicrous when you know that this can save lives, your behavior, and they depart from what is Fauci and what the CDC, etc. tell us what we must do to save lives. What do you attribute that those behaviors to? Yeah. You know, I've I've really thank you for the question. And I have I've really puzzled over it. And let me also put things in perspective. My family are not, you know, they were wearing masks. As far as I know, they're not going to underground raves or anything <laughs> like that. But um, yeah, but still, there was a level of not of laxity when it came to some of the details. You know, there was. I will say that it wasn't a rampant. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been there. You know, but still, there were some court things that we already knew, and that again, um, my peer group, we're kind of all observing the same stuff. Um, not hugging each other, you know, they were hugging and I was like, okay, I, you know, <laughs> so what do I attribute it to? Uh, two things, I guess a denial or a sense of invincibility. It's not going to get to me. And then the other thing, cause I heard this expressed exceptionalism. There was, I did hear a family member who's intelligent and also should know better that COVID doesn't really care how careful you've been. There was a feeling that all the restrictions, the mega restrictions were for the hoi polloi. It was for the other people. It was for the, I don't, I don't want to say the peasantry, but it was for everybody else and not them. That somehow they were so careful that they could let their guard down. And I'm thinking, oh boy, you guys must be very lucky that you don't know all the people that we know who are careful and don't even know how they freaking got COVID. And right now I have a friend who just had a tracheotomy last week. He's on a ventilator in Einstein, at Einstein Hospital. And we heard from his wife that they don't know if his lungs are even going to make it. And you know how he got it? The guy didn't leave his house for months, but his wife is a physician. And the receptionist came in and had no idea she'd been exposed. And she exposed the wife who was asymptomatic and came home and the husband got sick. And this is from pneumonia after the COVID, COVID COVID-induced pneumonia. And a friend of mine just buried her father, is burying her father now, can't even bury him in person in Israel. Her mom died two weeks ago from COVID. Her father yesterday, she and her two sisters cannot get on a plane to Israel. And she's 
hardly the only person I know who lost both parents in very, very close proximity. The trauma of these losses, the trauma of not being with the loved one, of not being at the funeral is going to be with us. And you know what the question, my question is to my, these family members, why are you not as stressed as I am? And I don't think I'm stressed. I think I'm conscious. Exactly. You're conscious. And all of the literature and, and, the physicians, science say that this, this COVID, this coronavirus cannot thrive. It's suppressed to a great degree if we adhere to protocol, get our vaccines and mask. It cannot, it needs a host to perpetuate itself. And if we prevent it from perpetuating by wearing a mask, getting our vaccine as soon as possible, adhering to protocol, we can put a quicker cessation to the to this virus. It's simple as that. It's simple. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, and so, but getting your question is a very good one, Jeanette. To what do I attribute it? I am shocked. I wanted, and I've had family members. There's one uh, family member in particular, um, basically told me months ago, you know, that he kind of like, they, they think this is all some kind of overreaction, you know, and they, they, and I'm thinking, how, how do you come to that conclusion? Like, what aren't you seeing? And um, why is there, why do they say it's an overreaction when you are doing exactly precisely what we're told to do? I and this is a good question. It's concrete. <laughs> Excuse me. It's concretely concrete. said what we are to do to to prevent this virus from replicating. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just that people can't give up the uh, the things that make up their life. So there was an article. Did and stop me if I'm repeating myself. There was an article that appeared a couple of weeks ago in a very fine publication. It's online now. It's the JC, the Jewish Chronicle of London. And it was all about a something that we Jews um, who are observing COVID protocol really cringe at, which is the visible uh, ultra-Orthodox community flouting public regulations and holding a wedding, a funeral with hundreds or thousands of people that then has to be broken up by the cops and the community leaders are defiant. And somebody wrote a an op-ed about what an enormous desecration of God's name in Hebrew, Chilul Hashem, this is. And and said basically it was it was it was an article that articulated exactly the way that I feel. And it was an argument that I had with a friend of mine who's a Chabad um, a, a follower of, of the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, which the person said, the rest of the Jewish community somehow is enduring this in quiet dignity. We are taking upon ourselves the many deprivations. Jews are the most yenta social human beings who ever lived. We love to get together in synagogues. We love to get together for holidays. We love to get together for a bris. We love to get together for bar mitzvahs, for weddings, after the wedding, every night for shabbatas. <laughs> we love to, we will find a, a funerals. Funerals are social engagements. We get together on fast days. Yom Kippur is a huge, so come on. Jews, the main, the, the majority of Jews 
are observing COVID protocols. We are not going to get together for Purim. We are not going to have a Seder this year. We didn't have a Seder last year. We have not had shul in, the, in its conventional form, except those who somehow think that they get a, a free pass and that their community's infection rate is ruining it for the rest of us. And, and what is it about this? It's just, to me, it's, I don't understand how we can occupy the same the same reality and come to such different conclusions, Jeanette. So I have an explanation, but I don't. I'm left with with a feeling and it's and it makes me I feel like I could cry for a very long time, wondering, I always thought in a pinch and in a crisis that I would we would all bond together in solidarity over a consensual, view of reality and then a consensus on what must be done. And I now realize this probably happened during the Holocaust also, didn't it? It probably happened with Hitler's rise to power. Did all Jews have the same opinion? No, I don't think they did. And I think there were other times, and I don't mean to just make this a Jewish thing, but I'm right now in the Jewish community, I am so personally heartbroken and furious at the at the chasm that exists between the Orthodox world, and by the way, not even just the ultra-Orthodox, it begins with modern Orthodoxy, with a political, with, with Jewish uh, Trump supporters versus Biden supporters. I'm gonna plug an event right now, if you don't mind, uh, on Zoom on February 15th, an, a new organization called J-A-D-E, Jade, the Jewish Alliance for Dialogue and Engagement is hosting a panel conversation, panel discussion on this very issue. They have a sociologist named Mark Trencher, a social researcher. Actually, I'm not sure if he's a sociologist per se, but a social scientist who has studied the Jewish Biden supporters versus Trump. And I saw, I saw the results of his study. It is an insurmountable chasm on core issues, which is what we're seeing today. And again, it's not just Haredi, it's not just the ultra-Orthodox right wing. It starts in some factions of the modern Orthodox community where you have extreme views, extreme Trumpism, and extreme what I call um, extreme moral blindness, where you can look at a Matt Marjorie Taylor Greene and not be troubled by that as a Jew where you can turn off your critical thinking and the fact that any sane person would look at her, this conspiracy theorist, anti-Semitic nut job and say, this is, she is antithetical to Judaism and somehow you feel okay. Or people who are, are now looking, I was very distressed to find out last week that people emerged from the insurrection of the Capitol on January 6th with the whataboutism, the chutzpah of whataboutism to say, oh, that wasn't bad. It was a handful of losers. But what we really should be concerned about is the looting that took place with Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is what threatens our democracy, not the nut jobs who were calling to hang Mike, Mike Pence and assassinate Nancy Pelosi. So I think it's a form of psychosis. I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. I wish I had a 24-7 psychologist, social scientist, ethicist, 
with me at all moments to keep me from being less agitated. And you know what? To tell the, I, I'm now going to speak directly to the person who said to me this morning, I've been stressed. You're right. I am. And I have every reason to be stressed. And if I wasn't stressed, I would not be conscious. I'm conscious. I'm woke. I'm paying. I'm, I'm, I'm awake. I don't know if I'm woke. I'm, I'm fully awake and I'm fully freaked out. And being fully freaked out means I'm paying attention. And my question to the person who put this question to me is, why aren't you freaked out? There's plenty to be freaked out about. Jeanette, are you so freaked I, out? I'm totally freaked out. But I, I guess what it is, is it's people's responses are of denial of exceptionalism, as you said, of grandiosity, that it will not impact them. And so this is not a period of time where we think about ourselves, myself. We think about community, of the whole world at large. This is a time for us to be awakened as to our interconnection, our responsibility to help one another as in a small scale, but it wasn't small to me as my son, Jonathan was a catalyst to my friends, Amy and Jill who helped me and it becomes a chain reaction, which should be happening throughout the world. And your response is the correct response and other people who think that they're exempt and it will not happen to them. They are, they are harmful and it's really tragic at this time of, of the, one of the world's greatest tragedies that these behaviors are still occurring when everyone has been impacted to some degree. It's, it's, it's horrifying. It, My it, heart it's, is absolutely exploding right now at this conversation. <laughs> Yes. Do you remember in every, I guess, psychology 101 class, they tell the story, I don't know if it's apocryphal or if it really happened, about the 95-pound mother who somehow gets the strength to lift right. the car off yes. the child, you know, yes. the adrenaline response. You know, okay, we are all activated now, as we should be, and you know what? And I, frankly, also, what I said to this family member who I love, who's a wonderful person, I said... I've turned my freaked outedness into action. I, I mean, I'm kind of involved in stuff. I'm involved with Jade. I'm involved in my, my work projects. I think fighting the good fight. And I'm involved in terms of combating disinformation. And Jeanette, the two angels who helped you, this is exactly... They're doing what is going to build our post-pandemic world. The post-pandemic world that we want to inhabit is being built by, it's a Jill and Amy. Jill and Amy. And, and you know, I don't mean to sound uh, hyperbolic, but, but when you look upon your life, you look back in your life and you say, what have I done to, to help another person? What have I done for humanity at this time of this pandemic? the my friends Jill and Amy it's really it's a it's a big mitzvah it's a big deal what they did for me it's a big deal wouldn't you say I would say it's a huge deal and I would say the following you know because let's talk for a minute about the vaccination effort it's a mess people are you know really really in a panic about uh, getting vac vaccinations for themselves, for their elderly parents and friends. Um, I'm part of about four different 
grassroots efforts that I, I we all somehow overlap with each other on the Upper West Side. And thank God now there's some unbelievable people. By the way, the New York Times featured an article yesterday where they called out in a positive way, B'nai Jeshurun, you know, the shul BJ on the Upper West Side, their effort, I'm one of the volunteers for them. I've got another friend who's organizing through JASA. I don't know what the acronym stands for, but it's a Jewish um, association that takes care of the elderly. Um, and I'm just, we've been sharing, you know, we've been aggregating all of us who are doing this work. We, and, and you know, Jeanette, I've shared some leads with you. Um, I've got a, a friend who has Parkinson's late last night, I was throwing leads that I got to her. Here's where you can go this. We're all sharing information. It's turned us kind of almost some of us into the hunter gatherers, others into the, the phone callers. And we should be, you know, at this point, the name of the game really is vaccinating everybody with an emphasis on the elderly first, the vulnerable, the, um, I know people now with comorbidities as of the 15th are eligible, caregivers, uh, you know, people over 65, so that's my dog, Lukey. Lukey is, yes, he's, he's agreeing, I know through coughing. And, and then, you know, and then we also know that there's another reality happening side by side, which is that with the shoddy, disorganized, crazy uh, scarcity, bad rollout, that there are wasted doses. And it so happens that now, because a lot of people have jumped on the effort to get, you know, to gather contacts and information, a group of doctors have organized and there is a website where you could log on and find out about extra doses, even if you're not in one of the first groups, because let's face it, let's say you hit a site that has an opening at three in the morning, go for it. There are very few over, let's uh, say 75 year olds <laughs> who are going to schlep to some remote location at three in the morning, and you might as well, if the name of the game is vaccinating 80% of the population to achieve herd immunity, and this is what Israel did so brilliantly, they opened up the vaccine sites to people at other hours. And now, of course, just really a very short uh, while after they started the effort, the younger, I think the young folks are actually getting, officially getting vaccinated. I think it's 16 and up and, and all that. So number one, we should be engaged. It's in my opinion, I, I think it's a mitzvah. I think one of the mitzvot you can do in this lifetime, this is really, they say you save one life. It's as if you save the world. These women, Amy and Jill, they got a mitzvah. And my they son, Jonathan mitzvah. was a big catalyst. He has your one son. Too. Jonathan and, David, and David's yes. getting vaccinated. You know, your son's getting, it's a mitzvah because they're around you and they're around your, your husband. We need to do, and the thing that I found so dismaying, we talked about this, are the scam, the people who at the beginning just lied or, you know, they knew somebody, all the people who didn't really deserve it and they just took it because of their, either some outright lied and that's just so, as my daughter would say, it's just bad karma, you know, to outright just like invent this thing to say. And then other people, they, because they had privilege, you know, uh, they were able, it is not, I don't think it's legal for a doctor to vaccinate uh, friends or family members who are not eligible. Um, and 
somebody called me today and she said to me, uh, she was actually telling, sharing information about somebody she knew uh, an elderly person. She knew that I was friendly with the elderly woman's daughter and they were trying to help this woman get a vaccine. And this woman was telling me about her own vaccine story. And she said, you know, I have a sister-in-law who's a nurse, but do you think she couldn't just get me a shot? She said, that's not legal. And she said, although we all know that these things are happening. And I said, yes. And, and then, you know, and if that's the case, here's, here's my Torah on this. We all know that people of privilege uh, use, take advantage of privilege, right? People, and this has been since time immemorial, some people who are super principled say, no, I'm waiting my turn. And other people just basically, I don't know, do they think they deserve it? Maybe they do. Here's my message to the people who through a channel of privilege availed themselves of the vaccine in a non-untimely way, meaning they really could not be <laughs> said to be in any of the one A, B, or C categories. Here's my here's my request to them. You've done it, you got vaccinated, fine. You know what, you're another human being now who's been vaccinated. Turn that into a mitzvah. Now you be proactive and help, be a, be a Jill and an Amy or a Jonathan and David. Go out there and say to yourself, I'm gonna, take my privilege and turn it into a vehicle for doing mitzvahs. Hell yes, I'm privileged. We are so, those of us, we have access to information. We have good, good doctors. You know, we have, we know how to, to to just, you know, surf the, the internet. Can I say surf? Is that a word from the nineties? We are so lucky. I happen to be very good at, at gathering information, but that's also a function. It's not a God given uh, talent. It's also, I'm privileged to be so well connected socially that I get information and I belong now to all of these uh, groups. And so I'm sharing them around. I feel that as I am so privileged, it is my responsibility to pass it on, right? The phrase paid forward. So I say to all of those who got vaccinated, uh, through their privilege, because they are well-connected, turn it into a mitzvah, you know, do, you pay it forward, do take your thing. And if you get your sex, second vaccination, and obviously we still have to be safe. We don't know how long this, you know, how, how extensive the protection is. Uh, they're saying we still have to be certainly careful. Um, certain things are opening up to us and we don't know exactly what they are. Maybe family members fully vaccinated could get together without masks. I mean, that would be such a joy um, for me to gather in a house with other vaccinated family members. Um, I'm not going into karaoke bars anytime soon, but I can't wait until I can. Um, so I just, I just feel, isn't this, there's got to be an ethical dimension to the vaccine rollout. We have to be, we have to be menchy about this. We can't just be for ourselves and our, and our friends. You know, it can't just be like, oh, I got a coupon for 50% off at Bloomingdale's next week, you know, family and friends discount. The vaccine is not a family and friends discount. It's not a it's not a a Loman special. It's not a Black Friday deal. It's something very very different, and this is how we build the world, uh, our post pandemic world. We share it with everybody in an egalitarian way, 
And um, I don't know, you know, that's, that's kind of my take on things. And just to sum up, you know, the stress, stress is a, a stressor. The stress can be a positive thing also. My son, Adam, was born seven weeks early. One of the things that was notable is that he scored very high in what's called the APGAR, right. APGAR test. As a newborn, they were very surprised to see that this preemie had a nine when he was born and a 10 just a little while afterwards. One of the worries doctors and nurses have with preemies is that their lungs are not fully developed at, at that age. However, there was something unusual that happened in my son's case, which is that there was reduced amniotic fluid. It's a whole Megillah. And um, they say my son had was stressed. His lungs were stressed in a good way prior to birth so that his he developed surfactant uh, that protects the lungs to a degree that's not typically seen in so he had the stress actually work to his benefit. And stress compels you, right? Stress is fight or flight. We, when we're stressed, when we saw a saber-toothed tiger heading our way, looking super hungry, we were stressed and we fled, right? And today we know if we're crossing the street and a car is barreling down, we are stressed hopefully to run faster if we are able to run. And stress, Jeanette, the stress of MS, you've been do, able to do things that defy medical science. Your doctors don't know how you're able to do. Isn't that your, it's your determination? Well, yeah, it's sure. like, the, it's a, it's like it's stress. Right, it's a fight or flight. And I'm going to the, I'm engaging in both. They intersect. I try to, I definitely am a fighter. And I try to flee as best as I can. I really can't because of my MS, but I have the strong fight or flight mechanism. That's that's uh, saved me throughout my life. Um, and even now, I mean, with with uh, with my situation medically, I really am physically. I am neurologically hanging. I I am by a thread. Now, how do I? get by i get by through will and through fighting and through the primitive uh fight or flight that that we all we all have and i i thrive on that fight or flight under insurmountable conditions i what i do is is uh, it i'm quite i'm shocked myself and thank god i have that fight or flight my cortisol reacts my adrenaline reacts everything they're all going on and that's what we need in this world we all need to to fight for the common good of all of us we can put our egocentricity to good use by being egocentric by ego be by excuse me by being egocentric we can protect the world and ourselves so let's use our narcissism to good use Amen. And that is an absolutely beautiful way to end our broadcast. And um, oh my goodness, I wanted to cue up the music, but I'm missing it here. So I am just going to go into the end of our episode. So dear listeners, 
we've reached the end of our episode, episode 18, Chai. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Living at the Mercy of the Moment. If you like what you have heard, please share the news of our podcast with your friends and loved ones. We're opening a public conversation on what it means to go through the pandemic guided by Jeanette Peyrutz Elsner, whose life offers guidance and wisdom on resilience, transcendence, and survival. And by the way, Jeanette, a, a mutual friend of ours, has referred to you as the COVID guru right now during this time. So Jeanette, as always, thank you for the conversation. And thank you, our audience, for tuning in. As you know, I'm accepting comments, questions, and offers to be on the show by email at shiradicker18 at gmail.com. May your moments be merciful. May we get through this challenging time strengthened. May everybody get vaccinated without undue stress. May the rifts that exist between friends and family members be healed. May we extend comfort to those who are suffering. May we be inspired to fight the good fight and may the world heal. Goodbye, everyone.